It's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family, or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience, wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma. Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? My next guest was raised in sunny California. She is young enough to be my daughter, and it was a joy to chat with her. She reached out to me for the purpose of sharing a part of her adoption journey publicly for the first time, and for that, I'm truly honored. Her name is Jessica, and in this episode, you will learn how she searched for her birth mother and father. Like many adoptees, including myself, her adoptive mother felt their relationship would be threatened by her reunion with her first mom. But Jessica found a way to ease her mother's discomfort. Jessica is new to the adoption community, but has taken a deep dive to help herself and others. During our conversation, she made me smile, tear up, and laugh. She has an energy that inspires me to look at different perspectives, especially from younger generations. Allow me to introduce you to a lovely young woman, mother, and a seeker of the truth. When I learned that she has worked with people afflicted with dementia and Alzheimer's, I knew she's a special human being and that you would enjoy hearing her words. Jessica, I know you're in sunny California, right? Yes, I am. I love California. I just want to thank you for having the chance to talk with me today. Uh, It means a lot to hear from all adoptees because our stories, even though we have a shared experience, they're very, very different. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And and we had a chance to talk a few days ago. You've been through quite a bit. So wherever you want to start and however much you want to share would be great. All right. Yeah, definitely. It's funny that you say that, you know, about us talking earlier because it like came across my mind and I'm like, wait a minute, this is the first time I'm actually like sharing my story for more than just like one person. Right. (laughs) My story actually starts when I was born. I was actually put into foster care straight out of the hospital when I was born. My mom had some drug issues. And uh, I was actually having withdrawal seizures. So I was taken away and put in foster care. I was placed in a home originally with a woman who's friends with the woman who I now call my mom. And the woman called my mom and said, I have a little girl over here. And I think that you would love her. Um, (laughs) You have to come see her. So see my adopted mom. She has two boys of her own, and she couldn't have any more kids, but she always dreamed of, like, having a little girl. My soon-to-be mom came over to the foster home I was in and seen me, and she told me, you know, as I got older, that she just instantly fell in love. (laughs) I believe I was transferred to my soon-to-be mom's home just, like, a few days later. I was with her ever since, honestly. She had to wait a while for the adoption to be finalized because they had to 
put ads in the paper and stuff to look for my birth mom to kind of like give her a chance to show up to court and like fight to keep me but she never showed up and I remember my um my mom uh always telling me as I was growing up like (laughs) how scared she was that my birth mom was gonna like walk through the courtroom doors and snatch me away from her my mom always thought that she was gonna be like this tall beautiful woman with like long blonde hair so my mom said a couple times a woman that looked like that would walk through the door and my mom's heart would drop. <laughs> mm. I'm very grateful for her. You know, she was a good mom. She did everything that she could, you know, even though she adopted me at 50. No family's perfect, you know, but I am very grateful to her, you know, for adopting me. Sure. I know that you're new to the adoption community. And I always like to talk to the younger generation. It's really a treat to hear from you. You're the same age as my son. Uh, he's 31. And and I was like, oh, I get to talk to that next generation, that younger generation. So I really, I really think that's nice. You've told me a little bit about growing up. So what about reunion? Have you searched and are you in reunion? I am in reunion. I actually found my first person in my biological family on Valentine's Day of 2015. Mm. Yeah, so Valentine's Day is kind of a a special a special day for me. <laughs> yeah, it means but, more um, than, than what it might mean to all of us. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> my daughter's always like, why are you so happy today? And I'm like, well, you know, I finally got to learn who I was today, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was it like? What was it like to be in reunion? It was a mixture of emotions, honestly. I had been searching since I was 18 years old. So by the time I found them at 25, I was like, I feel like I've been run over by a school bus. So many emotions, so many ups and downs. My paperwork from the hospital that CPS gave my adopted mom every every name was blacked out on that paperwork my first hurdle to jump was even being able to find out a name mm-hmm. of my dad or or my brother or sister or whatever family you know so that was a huge hurdle and then hearing from other people how little faith they had in me having a positive ending like i remember I was looking at different avenues of trying to uh, find a way to find them. And I actually tried to get on the TV show. And ultimately, the TV show emailed me back and said, you know, we just don't feel after reading your story that you're going to have a happy ending. And this series is is really based on, you know, those happy endings. And that right there was like crushing me, right? Because I'm like, oh, it's professional. They're telling me this. And what is a little 25-year-old girl who doesn't know, you know, nothing from nothing? <laughs> I don't have any chance. Mm-hmm. I'm um, glad you shared so- that because it makes me think that show business, so to speak, would even think that our stories are inferior if they're not going to have the ratings that they desire. You know, it's exactly. And so you 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 sharing that exposes that. Yeah, and it's true. It's so very true. You know, I 
I caught a couple of episodes of that show once it did air, but I was bitter and I just kind of wanted to see what it was like. And the two episodes that I did watch, yeah, I mean, it was all drama, drama, drama in the beginning. And then the end was like super, super happy. Mm. But you know what? That's, that is not reality for a lot of adoptees. And I think that showing only positive endings on a TV show gives false hope to adoptees everywhere. Well said. Well stated. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> but going back to my reunion, after the TV show told me no, I kind of took like a two month like hiatus because it ju- that just like mentally like disrailed me. Eventually, I uh, joined a Facebook group called Search Angels, and there I gave all the info I had, which wasn't much because my paperwork, everything was blacked out. To give a little backstory on Search Angels, it's just a Facebook page of a bunch of people who uh, have access to, you know, certain things. I don't really know, like, what their backgrounds are or anything, but it's just these group of people who they ask you to make a post on their Facebook page and give them, like, whatever information you have, names, birth dates, whatever. And then a group of people, I mean, there's tons of people in this group, they just start commenting on your post, like, with leads that they have, right? Mm. And then they start helping each other out and, you know, eventually hopefully you know you you get some type of lead that goes somewhere so that's what I did in the course of a couple weeks my post didn't get much feedback on leads because of my paperwork I grabbed like a highlighter and I decided to sit down with my paperwork and go over every single page you know (laughs) in case there was something I was missing at this point I was like fixated I was like borderline insane at this point yeah yeah And uh, I'm glad I did that because after looking over it one more time, I found one place in this 30-page report where they had forgot to black out my father's name. Mm. And I was like, oh, holy grail. (laughs) I can can imagine how you felt. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's right. Yeah. Is that where you met Keith? Yes, I met Keith on Search Angels back in 2015. It hadn't blown up like it did now. I mean, there's, gosh, I can't even tell you how many thousands of people are on Search Angels at this point. But back in 2015, it was kind of a smaller knit group. And we were all kind of like, you know, really invested in each other's stories and each other's journeys. And we would hit each other up on messenger like hey i hope you're thinking positive today i i saw what they posted on your on your post you know don't let that get you down so it was amazing yeah Yeah, he's amazing by the way (laughs) yeah keith he mentioned that group on his episode 58 on the podcast that sounds like a really powerful group yeah Hmm. yeah and it's through facebook so if anyone wants to look it up you just go to the search bar and type in search angels and it'll pop right up. Very good. I will include that in show notes. So you're talking about maternal and paternal side reunion or just one side? Yeah. So my paternal reunion came first. Okay. 
after updating my post uh, with that info of my father's name, I got a lead almost like instantly. I don't even think it was a full day, honestly. And February 14th, 2015, Valentine's Day, (laughs) I was sent a link to my Facebook page of someone that they thought might be closely related to me on my paternal side. Hmm. After looking at her photos, I thought, well, maybe this is my mom, you know, maybe she's still married to my dad. And that's why her last name shows up as my paternal father's name. I didn't know, but uh, wound up being my half sister from my paternal side after messaging her. And then she connected me to my father and my two half brothers. Wow. Yeah, and when my daughter was two, no, she was a little older than that, maybe four. It was about almost six months after I initially found them. So uh, me and my daughter, we actually got on a Greyhound, well, a Metrolink, and went from California all the way to Albuquerque, New Mexico, to meet with all of them. And it was the first time I had ever traveled anywhere outside of California, It was the first time I ever did anything by myself and I had a baby with me (laughs) and my, my mom went before I left, she was crying, please don't go. And then while I was there, we decided to stay a couple more days and my mom's calling me, you didn't decide to go live with them, did you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, no. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I think sometimes adoptive parents feel threatened that somehow us finding our original family is going to change our relationship with them. And it's so not true. I mean, for the most part. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up. My mom, she won't admit it, but I do feel that she struggled with it in silence. She would never have said anything to me about it because she knew how strongly I felt about wanting to know my birth family. But one day I decided to read her a poem. It's basically a a poem about like uh, your hereditary environment or like the way you grew up and, you know, um, the different loves that you have for, for your, your paternal, I mean, your, your mother that birthed you and the mother that raised you. And the minute I knew that that was really how she felt is because when I gave her the poem, she instantly started crying as she was reading it. Mm. And she looked at me and she said, you know what? Thank you. Because this right here, it kind of reiterates that just because you love me and you love her doesn't mean that you love her more than you love me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I actually have that poem on hand and uh, if you don't mind, I'd kind of like to read it because it's helped me out so much personally and my you know, adopted mom out so much personally that maybe it might be able to help someone else. Yes, I would absolutely love for you to read it whenever you're ready. Okay. The title is Legacy of an Adopted Child. And sadly, the author is unknown. But here it goes. Once there were two women who never knew each other. One you do not remember and the other you call mother. Two different lives shaped to make you one. One became your guiding star, the other became your son. 
The first one gave you life, and the second taught you to live it. The first gave you the need for love, and the second was there to give it. One gave you nationality, and the other gave you a name. One gave you talent, and the other gave you aim. One gave you emotions, and the other calmed your fears. One saw your first sweet smile, the other dried your tears. One sought a home for you that she could not provide. The other prayed for a child and her hopes were not denied. And now you ask me through the tears, the old age question unanswered through the years, heredity or environment? Which are you a product of? Neither my darling, neither, just two different kinds of love. Oh, Jessica, you know, I'm getting emotional right now because I, too, a whole generation older than you, felt so strongly about that poem yeah. when I first when I first read it. And then I had it framed. This is going back years and years ago. And it spoke to me so deeply each time I read it that I put it in my book. And so when you said you, you had something to read, I... I didn't ask you, like, what is it? Somehow I knew that that would be the point. Isn't that something? Like, I'm just really, really emotional right now. Thank you so much for reading it. And you read it so well. I agree. Yeah, That's a powerful poem. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in that poem, just really, it helped my mom realize that it's not that I love you less. It's not any of that. It's just that. I love you both. As an adopted uh, kid or teenager or even adult, I don't know about everyone. I can only speak for myself, but it's so hard to reiterate and bring into words the difference in love or the similarities in love between adopted families versus, you know, birth families. I don't know what to say. It's like, that's my mom. She, she gave birth to me. We have the same eyes. We have the same nose, regardless of what she did to me or why I got taken away or the choices that she made. That's still my mom. Right. She created, you she know what co-created you. Yes. That's pretty big. <laughs> yeah. Like that's my mom. And I think that's what a lot of people outside of the adoption community don't really understand. They're like, oh, but she did this to you and she left you and she didn't want you. And and you're like, none of that matters. Right, <laughs> like, right. And then we don't know the whole story. We don't know all the pieces to the story, you know. Right. Yeah, right. I agree. You first meet your paternal side. Yes. And then you meet your maternal side. Do you want to talk a little bit about maybe how it was different or just what what your experience was, your takeaway? Okay, yeah. The experience was actually different and similar all at the same time. Both sides of my birth family, paternal and maternal, struggle with drugs. They struggle with drugs so much that, you know, they chose drugs over me at the end of the day. So there's a lot of similarities that I've seen come up between my reunion with my, you know, paternal side and the reunion with my maternal side. I also found my uncle and my mom through Search Angels as well. This came about a month after my 
initial finding of my paternal side, when I did get to speak with my uncle from my maternal side, he told me that he believed my my mom was deceased, but he didn't know for sure. And then he led into that I had two siblings from my mom's side, which I did kind of know. I just didn't know if they were both boys or if it was a girl and a boy because one of my siblings' names, I guess the correct term is like non-binary, you know, it was Natisse. And that could be a girl or a boy. So I'm like, oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but my uncle wound up telling me, you know, like, yeah, you have a brother. And then, you you know, you had a sister. But she passed away at 13. She got um, shot and killed at 13 mm. um, by her biological father. Mm. And so when I found that out, I had to take another step back. I started feeling the same way I felt. Uh, after the TV show denied me, mm-hmm. it was just like, like I said, roadblock after roadblock after bomb after, you know, <laughs> it's like, wow, when am I going to get something happy? <laughs> you know, right, right. I stopped messaging him. I let him know, you know, how I was feeling and that I needed some time. Um, and he checked on me a couple times, but I didn't respond because that's hard to hear. Very Whether hard, I knew yeah. her whether I knew her or not, that was my sister. That was my blood. That was, so yeah, so I took a step back, but then one day he messaged me and said, hey, your mom just messaged me on Facebook asking for one of her cousins, and I told her, (laughs) made me laugh because he goes, I told her, I don't know nothing about no cousin, but I know about your daughter, though. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, what? You know, like, totally threw her off course. Wow. And later on, we joked about it when we all went to dinner. And she goes, yeah, but you still never found me, my cousin. And he goes, well, don't you think this was a fair trade? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I did something even bigger than that, I think. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. That is humorous. After meeting my mom... Meeting my paternal side, I don't really have, like, much to say on that just because I met them once in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I've never seen my sister since then or my brother from my paternal side. I have seen my dad uh, every once in a while, but we don't have, like, a large sense of communication. I mean, that's pretty much it. We, We do talk every once in a while. I hope to maybe see my sister again someday, but they live in Oklahoma and don't laugh at me, but my biggest fear is flying. That's not going to (laughs) happen. Well, there are plenty of people that don't, plenty of people that don't like flying. So not going to laugh at you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh -uh. Yeah. But my internal side gets a little bit deeper because I found her in 2015, just like I did my paternal side. We communicated really, really well for like a month or so. But then after that, she would kind of disappear for like months at a time and then just pop up on Facebook and be like messaging me, hi, baby, I miss you so much. And like give some awkward excuse as to why she hadn't been communicating with me or she'd pop up with like some random number and be like hey this is my new number I had to change it because dot 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 fill in the blank 
And at first I would get really, really sad and really, really upset when she would disappear. And I would call my forever mom, you know, and I would tell her like, you know, that I'm upset and that I don't understand if I was my mom and I had a second chance to, you know, make up for lost time, I would do exactly that. I would make up for lost time. My mom told me, you know, Jessica, we can't do anything about what others choose to do, Mm. you know, Mm. and you really have to come to terms with that. And yeah, it sucks. And she just kind of told me like it is. I really wish she would have kind of just beat around the bush and stroked my ego a little bit, but she didn't. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, this is what happens. You know, you wanted to find her. It's not all cherry lollipops and rainbows and that's okay. You need to decide for yourself with her coming in and out of your life like that. Is this what you want? Do you want to be hurt over and over again? And, you know, that's only a question that you can answer. So After her telling me that, I'm not going to say I just like disowned my birth mom and never talked to her again, but I was less forthcoming with like being the one to initiate like, hey, haven't heard from you in a while. You know, I was more so like, well, when she does try to communicate, I'll communicate back when she needs her space. She can have her space. She gave me up for a reason. And part of that reason was probably because, you know, she wasn't ready to be a mom and maybe she's still not ready to be a mom at this point I didn't have any questions answered because every time I would ask her she'd be like oh no not right now oh I'll I'll, you know I'll tell you later Mm. yeah (laughs) so yeah so that went on for let's see 2016 17 18 19 that went on for three years where she just like disappeared for for months well in 2019 I get a phone call from the hospital saying that my birth mom has been battling cancer for two and a half years. Mm. And now it's gone to the point where she can no longer take care of herself. And they told me that she had been homeless for like over 25 years, Mm. which means that she was homeless when she was pregnant with me. Mm. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm like, whoa, you know? And so anyway, They said that they were going to be taking her to a facility to kind of like live out the rest of her days if no family would take her. So, of course, I'm like, "Um, okay, like, I'll take her, like, I'll come get her, you know. But the thing is, is that I didn't know her much, you know, like, I was still getting to know her and like trying to maneuver this like weird relationship that we had, you know. It was like I was saying hello and goodbye all at the same time. Mm. That sounds really hard. Yeah. No, it is. You you don't know what to do because it's like I wanted to ask her questions and I wanted to get my questions answered. I mean, she's living in my house. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm changing her colostomy bag like four times a day, giving her showers, making her food. I had to get like a special request from my job so that I could leave a couple of times a day and do what I needed to do for her. I felt like I'm doing all this stuff for you and you can't even just simply answer one question. I wanted her to answer one question more than anything else. And it was, why did you give me an alias last name in the hospital? Number one, that made it so much harder for me to to try to find anyone. Second of all, as an adoptee, we cling to any sense of connection that we have to our birth family. And you took the only connection that I had away from me. Mm -hmm. 
and I really wanted that question answered. And I asked it twice to her and she never answered me. I wanted to just please her so much because I wanted her to like me. And I think that that's really vulnerable for me to say because of the simple fact that I did. Right. I did things that I wanted to say no to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was so afraid, you know, that if I said no, or if I made her feel uncomfortable, you know, if I did anything wrong, she'd leave again. Right. And I, I totally relate to that. I, I did not find my birth mother alive, but I relate to it in terms of other family members, really wanting to be accepted, wanting them to want to get to know me and all of that. So I'm saying yes to things that I should be saying no to. So I totally understand what you're talking Mm -hmm. about. And it is very frustrating. It's very frustrating when someone has information that you want and they don't give it to you. And that could be from anyone, but particularly a birth mother. Exactly. And it's like now... I'll never know because sadly, January of 2020, she she passed away. I was there with her holding her hand as she took her last breath. And I used to think, oh, thank you, God, for allowing me to find her because that was really what I needed. But going through all this and having to be so selfless and having to put how I feel and what I want to the side to be there for her and her end of life care really made me realize God didn't allow me to find her for myself, not because I needed her. God allowed me to find her because she needed me. She Mm. needed, I was supposed to be there for her, not the other way around, right? I'm thinking, oh yeah, he's giving me my mommy. Mm. Oh, thank you. No, 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 that wasn't it at all. He was like, no, 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 no. You need to be there for her. You need to take care of her. You need to show her what a real family is, what true love is what a roof over her head is. When my mom first came to my house, she was afraid to flush the toilet Mm. because she had lived homeless for so long that the sound of the toilet flushing would scare her. Mm. You know, Jessica, you are such a wise person. At your age, it's just astounding to me how wise you sound. But probably even more importantly, you're so compassionate. What you just shared, and I'm glad you did because you were very vulnerable there, shows just how deeply compassionate a person you are. And I know when I was reading your bio and you work with high-level dementia and Alzheimer's patients or clients, I'm not sure what the proper word is, but you care for them. And that takes a lot. That takes a very special person. I'm just in awe of you. I'm in awe to be able to talk to you. And I'm honored. I'm honored that you wanted to be on here. When we talked the other day and you told me what you did for your birth mom, it is really, that's really something special. And I think is very rare. Yeah. and, And very misunderstood. I had people who knew my adopted mom and had kind of heard the background story of me being drug addicted and being taken away from her and put in protective custody and stuff, they would ask me like, why would you do that for her? Like, why would you even take her in after everything that she did to you? Mm. And now still to this day, she's still spitting in your face by not even giving you the answers that you need. Sometimes I would let that get in my head and I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. 
yeah, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then I had to stop and I had to think, at yeah. this point, at this point, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that I put my emotions and my feelings to the side and I be here for the woman who gave birth to me and chose life because she did. Mm-hmm. She chose life. She chose to give me life. She could have had an abortion and she didn't. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Your perspective so, is, yeah. Your perspective is one I think helps you to be okay. And I share your perspective. And certainly any adoptee's perspective is, it's not right or wrong. As far as I'm concerned, we all have our way we're looking at it. But I think, yeah, choosing life is a pretty big deal. We're, we're here and someone created us, you know. I definitely want to honor your time. So is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to share? No, not, I mean, that about sums it up for me. Unless <laughs> <laughs> something else you want to ask. <laughs> You're such a joy to talk to and listen to. Oh, my goodness. Well, I want to thank you again for having this conversation with me. It has been so cool to hear from you. And thank you so much for sharing so that maybe, like you said, that somebody may really benefit from your words. I'm sure more than one person will. Yeah, that, that's my hope. That's my hope in starting to share my story is that if it just helps one person out, then why not? It's worth it. So thank you very much for allowing me to share my story for the very first time with you. Yay! <laughs> Jessica might be the youngest adoptee that I personally know who is in reunion with both sides of her birth family and who cared for her dying first mother until she took her last breath. She is compassionate despite her heartbreaks and sorrows. Her faith has shaped her perspective in how she chooses to manage her relationships and has helped her to have a healthy sense of what has happened to her as a result of adoption. I like how she went back over her adoption papers word for word and discovered that her birth father's name had failed to be omitted in one place. Just like that, she learned of his identity. Her tenacity with the Facebook group that you can find in the show notes would put an end to many secrets and provide answers to put her in reunion with both birth parents. Thank you, Jessica, for reaching out to me to have this conversation. I enjoyed you reading one of my favorite poems, making me laugh at times, and nod my head in agreement at other times. As a member of a generation younger than me, it's a pleasure to hear, listen, and understand what you have to say about the subject of adoption. If you like Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow and or give a five-star rating so others can find it too. During the course of your day, I hope you will tell at least one friend or someone who you believe might find value in it because word of mouth is the best way for me to grow the show. Remember to share this podcast on social media to spread the word. Hashtag Adoptee Land. Thank you for being here.